Here the old gods are dead. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> oh my God, how authentic. <laughs> well, it's like, when they, um, like when somebody finished recording a song. Oh, very Taylor Swift core. Like, <laughs> at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Creepy Podcast where we love to giggle. <laughs> and we love to be late. I was going to say, like, I was genuinely going to text you and I was like, should we pretend that we weren't even late and no bring it up? But since we last recorded our episode, the Barbie movie came out and Taylor Swift released about four albums. <laughs> and has announced another one. Wow. It could have been her best album cover and she put like an ugly font on it. Yeah, I thought she was going to leave them all plain because oh, I'm right. I'm getting the vinyls. I don't know why she ruined it. It's a really it. nice picture as well. Some people like it. Some people do really like it. And some people like Comic Sans. That doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> that is a dyslexia-friendly font. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and so is Ariel. Ariel. I like Ariel. Ariel is the best font. Ariel is... Ariel and Times New Roman. And Helvetica. If I'm feeling fancy. <laughs> if I'm feeling a bit of my graphic design tease, I'll use Helvetica new. I know. And it makes me feel sick that like just to go with the status quo at work when I'm making a presentation or for like interviews and stuff, I use Calibri. I don't mind. I don't mind. This is fucking it, riveting as always. It's, <laughs> it's user friendly, but it's just like not giving. <laughs> It just doesn't give that thing. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Who else likes fonts? And what kind of neurodivergent individual? <laughs> what you? What kind of font makes your nails feel dirty? <laughs> I actually genuinely like. I can stand it in certain contexts, but see if I have to write like uh, have to read like someone's paper, and they've written it in Times New Roman. It makes me feel unclean unsanitary like when it's really tightly packed like one point spacing mm -hmm. times new roman size 11 font that is ugly you that... don't get to see the google docs because i copy and paste them in emails but i use meriwether which like... is a google version of times new roman but it's a bit better it is a bit better it's got a little bit more of a rounding to it it's not so <laughs> crisp but see when you're using times new roman you have like two columns per page one point spacing 11 size font like it's so hard to read you might as well be writing in barcode yeah like that <laughs> one one zero zero one one real that just reminds watching. me of futurama actually. i was about to say i've been watching futurama <laughs> <laughs> like whenever there's like a whiff of like the potential of a relapse in the air i start watching futurama around the clock and i have to remind myself that like okay prefacing this by like we should all talk about our bubble movements more so that we know what a normal one looks like because that's a really good indicator if you're sick or if you're not getting the right nutrients anyway me and you talk about shitting all the time 
we do <laughs> and it's like such an enjoyable experience and one thing that like will keep you sober is to remember the constipation that is caused by like 90 percent of recreational drugs yep yep and that's that's it. i knew that you were unwell but you've just got to let liam tell you you've got to give him the space for like four days to be like and by the way i'm fucking depressed <laughs> <laughs> I stop replying to texts and the only words I'll respond are fierce boots and slay. I'm like, then, he's gone downhill. <laughs> Sometimes it's not a good time. But then I spent my entire shift today, like gossiping, mingling, doing a fun little experiment. So I'm sort of getting back on track. Yeah. I knew you would come out of your funk on your own. Yeah. If you but... went like six days being like bootsley in house, I would have like probably text your boyfriend. I've been like, so like welfare check for Liam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Trying to keep it together. And then like um I like the master student in my lab, like coming round the corner from the lab and I'm sitting at my desk, which is like in like a corner, not near anyone, because I requested that because I can't focus if I'm in like the mix of it. And she just sees me like silently, like weeping. <laughs> it's not funny, but like, honestly, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. <laughs> I mean, if they're a master student, they've surely worked like in hospitality or retail. So like, oh yeah, used to seeing that. Yeah. And also, work. and also, uh, she cried like the, a canon event crying at the eighth week of your master's project you can't stop it it'll happen it's a canon event no one can interfere not week eight week 18 and i told her at the start you'll cry two weeks before submission because it'll all get too much and nothing will have worked and you need to remember that this project is like a fun girly one that no one expected to work in the first place <laughs> yeah but they all think i'm built different my one's gonna work it doesn't <laughs> it just like it's not allowed <laughs> i was in edinburgh yesterday for the fringe and my thoughts really went out to you working near the mile you work on the mile don't you or you no. used to no i have to go past there every day though like my bus gets off at, at the mile surgeon's hall fucking brutal i was like walking Actually, the worst thing ever happened to me. So I went to a comedy show, brilliant. I went to go and see Vittorio Angeloni, would recommend it to anybody. He's a comedian for Belfast. But I'm in Monkey Barrel Comedy and see these little tins of cocktail. Classic cocktail. They're the tiny little ones, like half cans. What brand is that? That is very Uh, visually appealing. White box cocktails. Unsponsored, but like that's candy. (laughs) They're fierce, they are. And typically, so this has a whole Cosmo in it, or a margarita, or a Negroni, whatever you want. They sell mainline cocktails. The classics. The hits. So this, this little thing normally costs maximum four quid. I'm in Monkey Barrel Comedy, and I didn't want to drink beer, so I was like, I'll hear two of those little blonde bitches i'll hate two margaritas and i'll hate two cosmos for me and my girlfriend so four drinks and the person who was like putting in my order was like taking away uh, like their time i was like whatever maybe they're like new it's like fringe stuff whatever yeah and they're like so that'll be 30 quid and i was like sorry i was like sorry you've got that rag i was like there's it's like there's no way that 400 milliliters worth of cocktail is 30 quid and they were Each like, like two percent alcohol 16.8 percent <laughs> but well, that's I was premium like, that's premium that amount of alcohol like, in a cocktail can premium <laughs> it is premium but that's seven pound fifty for a hundred mils of liquid yeah you gotta do the percentage to penny ratio and i was like is this it. a sugar i was like is this a sugar tax <laughs> <laughs> no it's a fringe tax uh could not believe my ears yeah speaking of the fringe tourists oh they don't know how (laughs) overly works and oh i get stressed out every day on my way home from work but not just that every form of public transport i've gotten recently has like had some sort of awkward interaction with a middle-aged woman that left us both scarred 
for the rest of my life. I've told you the story already, but I've told you the story already, but I can't stop thinking about it because, like, I like you know, this is probably why I've been so depressed lately. I'm not even kidding. Like, this was the the straw that broke the camel's back. So, I get off the bus for work, and this is not a place where you would normally see tourists. So, like, I would be flustered by that situation anyway. But like, see, when I'm not expecting to speak to someone, it's eight a.m. I've been up since five. Like, my social skills are not what they are normally. Like, normally I can, like, get, like, riff with people. Uh I get off the bus and I work in Little France. So, like, we've talked about before Little France, Mary Queen of Scots. It has some castles, some things for people to look at. I get off the bus, some woman, she was either, like, Croatian or Italian, something like Southern European, maybe North African, that sort of vibe. (laughs) she's like near the bus stop wearing her little tourist backpack on her own very confusing like set of circumstances just from the get-go she comes up to me I'm like oh no (laughs) because I'm not ready to talk to people yet and she goes can you please tell me where is little France (laughs) (laughs) and I I don't know what possessed me to respond in the way I responded (laughs) But I said, you're looking at it. And I don't know what, I don't know why that was like the obvious <laughs> phrase to use. I said, you're, you're looking, looking at, at it. it. <laughs> and she pauses for like almost 10 seconds. It felt like a lifetime. And she looks me up and down and goes, it's you. <laughs> I said, no, the, pl-. and then I said, no, the place. <laughs> we both just kind of looked at each other and then walked away. <laughs> You're looking at him. That's been my She said she thought I was calling myself Little Franz, which I understand. But at the same time, <laughs> we were both sipping the dumb bitch juice that day. It makes you seem like a total catty little gay boy being like, You're looking at it. Yeah, that is you. Te- you voice noted me about that, and I was like, "That could not have went worse for you." <laughs> I hope that keeps you up at night. Actually. It does. It really does. <laughs> yeah, one of the top ten worst social interactions that I have ever had. <laughs> and I grew up atypical, so like, that's... <laughs> like that is how bad Ugh. it was. It's content. <laughs> it's content, but at what cost? At what cost? <laughs> Speaking of content, some quality media been coming out recently. We both have seen Barbie. I've seen it twice. I saw it twice in the first two days it came out, and I want to see it again. Our lives were forever changed. Forever changed. I cried four times during that film. I cry at everything, but like this was different. Like, I can't, like, I, a lot of people have been like, oh, like, if you were on Tumblr, like, in, like, the mid-2010s, like, the feminism in the Barbie movie, like, it isn't that groundbreaking. That's the point. And I'm like, fuck off. I'm like, this is a billion-dollar film that loads of people who weren't on Tumblr and, like, Twitter have in, like, white feminist discourse. They haven't heard this before. Yeah. So, like, when America Ferreira, like, does her, like, the monologue, like, her soliloquy about, like, what it's like to be a woman. Yeah. Oh. Also, the, the whole point is that the Barbies have no context for this. So this is them learning feminism for the first time. So they're in at the ground yeah. floor. And also there's like subtle undertones of the feminism and like like jabs at sort of in the writing and in the scripting that they know that it's corny because every time yeah. there was that so- a sort of feminist breakthrough, but it was like white feminist basic entry level sort of feminism, there was some sort of punchline unrelated following it to like undercut white it. savior Barbie. <laughs> yeah, like there was always an undercutting like tone to it. So it was. Fine. I thought it was fucking brilliant. I thought, I thought it, was it was great. Brilliant. The scenes, no genuinely the, no notes. The old lady at the bus stop, no notes. Oh my god, we we were watching a film the other day. And um, obviously the old woman at the bus stop in the Barbie movie is an Oscar winning um, costume designer because everybody was like, oh, that's the that's the woman who Barbie was based on. Like, that's the wee lassie 
who had Barbie made for her, like by the creator of Barbie. That's not true. But the it's woman not. at the bottom, the Barbie movie, is a costume designer. We were watching a film the other day and I was like, oh my God, I can that name. I was like, that's her for Barbie. <laughs> what film was it? Jit. I'm going to check. Right, hold on. Because I can, she did the costume design for the English patient. So mm-hmm. hold on. I think she won an Oscar for that. Anne Roth, that's her name. Oh. And I was watching. Oh my God, she was a costume designer on Mamma Mia. Mother. The village. Oh, that's what it was. So I, the village is like, kind of like, sent something in me. So like, she did the costume design for me so the M. Night Shyamalan films and we were watching oh. Saints. And she did the costume design in Saints, uh, which is, I was like, Anne Roth, I can her. She was in Barbie. And then we immediately turned off Signs and started watching The X-Files instead. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's enough of that. (laughs) It's so fucking hot in this living room. It was like 24 degrees today. Walking through Edinburgh was disgusting. Yeah, it's muggy. This summer's been fucking shit. I've had a nice time. I'm like, global warming, act like it. Act like it. It has been warm, but it's just been like close. Like, but it's not been sunny and it's been like pissing down all the time. I love the rain. Okay. <laughs> Actually, she famously hates the rain. Yeah, I was about to say, um, it's so crazy that her character is supposed to like love the sun. It just doesn't No, fit. no. It makes no sense. Like, it doesn't align. That Genuinely. was bad writing. Bad writing in Twilight? Wait, what? The whole first book, that's her personality. It's like, why didn't Stephanie Meyer give Bella a personality? And I'm like, no, she did. She tried. And it's that she doesn't like the ring. <laughs> and that she has very like scathing reviews on food that she seemingly takes two bites of and then plays with for the rest of the meal. Should we begin with this 20-minute intro? I guess. Which isn't going to be 20 minutes for anyone yeah. else because we're cutting out a lot of stuff that would get us cancelled. So it's probably going to be like a five-minute a five intro for real. I've had two Cosmos and I've... Started being really problematic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you're encouraging me. <laughs> um, so this episode is a relaxed fit, perhaps, after like the heavy hit. We've actually been like serving really good episodes lately, so, and good content. I know. We're due a flop. Yeah, we're due a flop. <laughs> <laughs> so this is going to be... An assortment of weird Scottish history that isn't long enough to hit an episode, but they still deserve their flowers. Yeah, give them their roses. Yeah. I swear you'll be laughing your head off by the end of this episode. <laughs> We're so close to 50. What should we do? I don't know. For our golden anniversary. Yeah, no, it's actually the anniversary of Goofy Wee Pod, like right now. Oh. Like when we. <sighs> When we were in your flat and recorded the Tamil Shanter episode, that was literally a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, two years ago, two. today. Two. But it feels like longer. <laughs> it feels painfully longer. <laughs> Thinking of content, not actually that enjoyable. No, it's not. I really... Everyone who's had a conversation with their friend and said, we should start a podcast. No. <laughs> you will forget like that you are not interesting 90% of the time yeah (laughs) also like Scottish history we really like penciled ourselves in because the content yeah it is not endless three characters yeah there's three characters it's like a um what's it called anthology series but out of order yeah and Mary Queen of Scots just keeps coming up because she's the only interesting thing we can talk about famously isn't in this episode though Although Liam's name on the like call we're we're on right now is Scary Queen of Thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll take a wee break and then I'll tell you some weird Scottish history. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Did, do, you, do you have the titles of mine's in yours? No. The Birdman of Sterling Castle. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so... Starting with one like a story called the Birdbad of Sterling Castle, I'm very intrigued because I'm. It's very much giving like Shit's Creek. Yeah, I'm very much thinking of the Shit's Creek, the Crows yeah. three episode. <laughs> um, I did get all these stories for a book called Scottish History Weird but True, which is like one of the naff books that you can get in the airport, but it's like English history, weird but true, Welsh history, weird but true, but I got the Scottish one. And um, <laughs> the title, The Birdman of Stirling Castle, I think is like obviously a derivative of The Birdman of Alcatraz, except, oh. except this guy was not a prisoner and did not keep birds. Um, this guy is like an eccentric Italian who lived at Stirling Castle for a period. Love, love, love. <laughs> so okay, I don't even need to be told the story. I just know how it goes. <laughs> so, in fifteen oh seven, there was a genuine wavy excitement as a small crowd, including James the Fourth and his court, gathered outside Stirling Castle. They were here to okay. witness the Birdman of Stirling Castle, otherwise known as Father John Damien, attempt to fly from the battlements. Like Scooby-Doo. G- genuinely. Jonathan Jacobo, the original pterodactyl ghost. <laughs> um, Father John Damien was reported to be an Italian alchemist and charlatan and was noted to have gone by the name the French Leech. He first appears in the records of the Scottish Exchequer in January 1501, having directed the building of alchemical furnaces at Stirling Castle and Holyrood House to produce Quinta Essentia, the fifth element, gold. Ah. He's trying to make like the philosopher's stone. He's like a, he's a charlatan. He's a real, he's a real uh... Italian. Yeah. <laughs> More on that later, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> more more on the mob behaviour later. The Scottish-Italian Commonwealth, really prominent <laughs> in this episode. Father John Damien appears upon the walls of Stirling Castle, flourishing his wings, which were made of feathers, before throwing himself skyward. The crowd gasped as he plummeted, uncertain whether to mourn his demise or marvel at his daftness. Luckily... The Birdman did not die and only managed oh. to break his thigh bone, which in the 1500s, that's a pretty fucking big bone to break. <laughs> yeah. Any bone's that's a like big terminal. bone to break. Yeah, I know. Like, I'm sure he, down the line, died of these wounds. But kind of impressive that all he did was break his femur. Remember when we went to Stirling Castle and, like, there's the huge... Well, obviously, we even spoke about it in the last episode. Like, Stirling Castle, it's much like Edinburgh Castle. It's on an extinct volcano, Castle yeah. Rock. And then the walls of the castle basically plummet down. And then there's flat land at the bottom. That is what he jumped off of. And he only broke oh a side. 
people have died for less. A lot less. I like was the last time I was at Sterling Castle a couple months ago. I was looking down that side and I was like, "Oh, you'd die if you fell down there." But apparently, I was wrong. Do you do it? So, when Damien was asked how he had failed, he promptly blamed the, the feathers he had used for his wings, wings which were apparently based upon Leonardo da Vinci's designs. Right. He had used hen's feathers instead of the recommended eagle feathers. And he exclaimed that he had realised all too late that chickens are creatures who, quote... <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was the mistake. It was the kind of feather. I imagine that he's... So he realises all too late, apparently. So I'm thinking mid-jump. <laughs> He's like, kind of like flapping his wings and it's like kind of like a wily e. coyote kind of situation where he's like, <laughs> Like mid-air holding up a sign that says, help. Uh, like that pause, <laughs> that's where he realises. So he says, he realises ultimately that chickens are creatures who, quote, covet in the middens and not the sky. <laughs> so they're like creatures of the fucking earth. Obviously they don't fly very far. So... This event delighted poet William Dunbar, who was reportedly jealous of Damien's position in court. Dunbar went on to write several satires mocking the so-called Birdman, the first of which refers to an abbot resembling a horrific griffin who takes to the air and mates with a female... (laughs) A female dragon! (laughs) Creating the Antichrist in the process. That was... (laughs) That is so much content for like one story. That is one satire, and that's obviously like the fifteenth century diss track is to say, yeah, um, Damien was a horrific griffin who birthed the Antichrist. That's insane. Damien, like, like genuinely, if you go on a father, um, like I Father Damien's, um wikipedia page it literally says famously had like a beef way poet um william dunbar (laughs) is that true yeah oh my god it is true (laughs) no because um i never believe these things because they're too good to be true and i've been down a rabbit hole of um people who dedicate their time to writing false wikipedia entries and they have like hundreds of burner accounts to like corroborate the Scots their, language like, Wikipedia page. Very famously, yeah. was written by like an American high school student, and it's all bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so funny because the girl that used to live in this flat before me, she's French and she studied Scots at uni. And like, I'm all in support of the Scots language. What use was that to her as a French person as a degree? The old alliance is strong. <laughs> Yeah, but like most of her resources come from like Wikipedia and stuff. So it's like an actual, an actual bullshit degree. Her whole master's degree, nothing. So it is very true. Anybody can go and look at Father Damien's Wikipedia page. It does say that he famously had like a spat. It does. I'm reading with, it right now with William Dunbar. But another writer at the time, John Leslie, provided a more favourable account of Damien's life in Scotland. Leslie had mentioned that alchemy and he describes how the failure to successfully create gold had begun to make Damien unpopular. So everybody realizes like a hustler. Um, yeah. And then Leslie reported that to counter this, the abbot announced that he would fly to France from Stirling Castle. And that is how he ended up upon the battlements trying to fly. He was like, right, well, fuck you lot. I'm not a huckster. I'll show you. I'm going to fly away to France. And then he leaped <laughs> the battlements. And, and apparently, the king was not even pissed off at him when he tried to do this. He, he was apparently impressed by the attempt. And the Italian. And giggled. Yeah, he was kind of like, sorry <laughs> for this fucking weirdo. And uh, the Italian's fortunes were reversed. And he was given the prize of becoming an abbot in 1509. Off the back of James the Fourth getting a good laugh at the fact that he'd brought me his five on. What's an abbot? A man who's the head of an abbey of monks. No. Oh my god, he got to be a 
they kind of wanted rid of him. <laughs> they were like, right, you're an abbot now. Get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Your parish, storing away. <laughs> <laughs> as far away as fucking possible, please. <laughs> what have you got? Okay, so we're familiar with the term laughing our head off. Laughing your head off. Origin what? Scottish. That's fun. So on April 9th, 1747, Simon Fraser, Lord Lovett, was executed on Tower Hill in London by John Thrift. Lovett was chief of Clan Fraser of Lovett, and by all accounts, he was a not a particularly nice man. Uh, he had a violent streak and a cunning mind. And during the uprising of 45, a.k.a. the Jacobite uprising, he forced his son... <laughs> To fight with the Jacobites, but he himself like scurried off to King George II, saying, "Oh my God, my son! His actions were against my wishes. Like, I don't know what he was doing. I don't know why he's doing that. But like, I'm loyal to you, girl." And then, following the defeat of the Jacobites at Culloden, his deceit was soon found out by the government, and he was forced into hiding in the Highlands. And he was eventually arrested on the island of Lochmore. And transported to London, where he, after a trial lasting five days, was sentenced to beheading on the 19th of March, 1747. Shortly before his execution, though, a scaffold of spectators were viewing the beheading and the, the scaffold collapsed and 20 people died. And 20 people died much to his amusement. And apparently Lovett was laughing about the spectacle of <laughs> as the executioner's axe fell. <laughs> Like giggling, giggling at people dying while he is also himself about to die. Again, we we come back to Futurama, but this is Bender behavior. Anyway, <laughs> so the the term laughing your head off is thought to come from the fact that he was giggling away as he was being beheaded. I think that's goofy. I like that. I mean, <laughs> like, he sounds like a bit of a cunt. Yeah, but I respect it. I think he's funny. He's so sick. I like, I love it when there's like a proper story to go a long way. This is why we say this, like laugh on your head off. Yeah. Um, so Narius, my boyfriend, famously Lithuanian, <laughs> um, famously. Um, and one of his things that like I noticed he would say to all of his friends in Lithuania when he was describing like Scotland, like, at times he would call it like a shithole and things like that. He'd like talk about like the teenagers at like Four Corners in Glasgow. Like, fair. Very fair. Getting fucked up. Very fair. Smoking vapes. And they were definitely like 12 years old. But another thing he said is like, it's such like a like poetic language. Like it's so whimsical. Like everything has like a little something to it. Yeah. Like he thinks the way we speak is very bookish and cute. I, I mean, a lot of the time when I'm on the podcast, I dare really talk in, like, the voice that I would talk to, like, people feel like cow and beef and Logelli and Carden then and so on. But, like, see when I am amongst the people from my hometown and we are bitching about someday. Language has never been so flavorful. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, because that is something so important because... See, when you're, like, talking to, like, if you're, like, at uni in Scotland and you're talking to other Scottish people, the way you can be mean about people, so beautiful. Unmatched. As soon as, like, an English person joins the group. Well, the northerners of England sort of have the same thing, but when it's a southerner, they yeah. don't have that thing. Like, they're just, like, they're just being mean. And I'm like, yeah. no, you have to make it a little fun. It has to be a read. Yeah. <laughs> you have to, like, to have a beat. A little, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just being mean. It's kind of similar to, like... Obviously, Italian people, everybody's like, oh, Italian people are so expressive. They talk with their hands and yada, yada, yada. People for the south of Italy have their own, like, like colloquialisms that are, like, kind of trashy and yeah. the way that they read people. It's very similar to how, like, people in Scotland are able to, like, actually tear people down at 100 miles an hour. And if you're not from Scotland, you're not really going to clock it. Yeah. You I... just think they're just saying things. But then when you think about it, you're like, that was the most intellectual thing 
like the most <laughs> pop culture centered like take that fountain of reference i have <laughs> ever heard the amount of ways people in scotland can call someone a baldy bastard or specky without saying <laughs> like finishing or starting with those words but never f- the full story is that perfect it's so beautiful i'll not really get patriotic about a lot but i will get patriotic about that 100 percent of the time nobody You've can read drinking. like we can <laughs> <laughs> like we cut out a lot but when me and liam are mean we're mean <laughs> <laughs> only by people who deserve it yeah true only by people who deserve it we're mean about fascists <laughs> anywho so does everybody remember Macbeth I think we famously spoke about it like three episodes ago two episodes ago I don't know I'm not sure I'm enjoying how often we're saying famously (laughs) the higher an alcohol percentage we're like hitting up with the more things are famous (laughs) Uh, the more we are famous Um, anybody ever heard of that little play called Macbeth? Famously not never bad. gets its lovers. Famously not bad. <laughs> we said it so, you said it so many times. The last time you did this, we suffered. Yeah, I know. When we did the Macbeth episode, I was like, ha ha ha, does the Macbeth curse work for podcasts? It does. It fucking does. And then I got depressed. <laughs> no. <laughs> So, um, anyways, <laughs> this isn't actually that much about Macbeth. So, in the play Macbeth and in you just real love life, big I know <laughs> the thane of Cawdor or Cawdor Cawdor Castle is Cawdor. Macbeth. Cawdor, Cawdor, it's Cawdor, yeah. isn't it? Y- yeah. Um, so, this is like the origin story a Castle Cawdor. Um, William the third Fenicodder decided to up sticks and abandon an earlier castle that he had like basically built like way too close to the water, so like it was basically sinking. So he abandons that and uh, goes on a trip to try and find a new place to build his castle. Codder Castle is like near Nairn, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Put that way. When it came came to choosing a new spot, he wanted more than just a survey in an area. He wanted mystical intervention. The information as to how to engage spiritual support came to him in a dream. Around 1350, he loaded gold onto the back of a donkey and set it free to roam. This idea came to him in a dream. He has a little donkey, he loads it up with gold, and he's like, go. And he follows the wee donkey around. Right. <laughs> in the sticks and then people from have never changed. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. all day I can confirm. and Same all now. night. <laughs> all day and all night, he follows the little golden laden donkey until eventually as dusk begins to fall, it settled in underneath a small tree and went to sleep. This spot was the spot for the new castle dictated by unknown mystical forces compelling the donkey to go to sleep. He was probably fucking knackered because he's like... He's carrying gold. I literally... Gold is heavy. Yeah. No, it's not clear what happened to the donkey, but the tree now had a magical quality. The tree was not removed, rather the castle was built around it. Had William had the foresight to have created a courtyard for the tree, it might have survived, but he built it into the cellar, and with the lack of light, it didn't last long. And (laughs) curiously, the cellar, which is now named the Hawthorne Room, is still there, and the remains of the tree can still be seen. If you Google this, if you Google Codder Castle Horn Tree, you can see, like, it's still there. Like, this story is actually true. Wait, this is actually how Codder Castle was built. Uh Uh-huh. But that like so the trees, the, the trees dead, but it's still there. Yeah, a donkey picked the fucking place where the castle was built, and because the castle's still standing, it, it picked a good location. <laughs> if anybody's ever thinking about getting it, like some kind of grand design, where they're going to build their own house, I would recommend a hundred percent that you laden up a little donkey with gold and pull it in the wilderness. <laughs> Because apparently they're good quantity surveyors. <laughs> Project management. Don't worry, I've got donkey. <laughs> you know that stock image of like women 
like women with a little blonde bob in a hard hat like pointing uh-huh like 20 donkey. surveyors talking that bit is the donkey that's <laughs> all i can think of right now <laughs> so are you familiar with like the term thought experiment like um the Stanford prison experiment is that like one of those <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I mean it's in like I really hate the term thought experiment because I always think it's just like someone wanting to act out their fantasies of eugenics and trying to put a psychological underpinning to it that's usually how they go and no different is like the like 100 babies on an island thought experiment in my <laughs> eyes so th this is like it's a very common thing to have this sort of this theory of like how would like like you you have fully evolved humans but you put these like random amount of like infants or babies onto an island and you just see how they with like tools and stuff and see how they would develop as a society and like without any culture of the outside world how they would develop like how they would use the tools. Would they use them as weapons? Would they use them as tools? Mm -hmm. um, how would they develop language? What what would happen? Like, yeah. would they immediately, like instantaneously have a grasp of some sort of language? Um, so this was like a really big thing in like the mid 2010s. Like there was a lot of like papers and stuff about it. It was like documented in like New Scientist, which is like quasi journal, but more of a lay like magazine sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but this like hypothetical hypothetical experiment didn't have any basis to it and like n n no babies were harmed like it's all it's all just thoughts it's all just like people sitting around going and you could hypothesize and suppose that this would happen and this would happen but they don't know shit yeah but the, the original sort of idea of this comes back to James the fourth it was James Ford, isn't it? Yeah, he's involved in a lot of weird shit. Actually, you know that because yeah. he was at the Birdman <laughs> Sterling Castle. Yeah, this this man, he likes the freaky deaky. All of the Jameses actually, like in Scottish history, all of the Jameses past third, the inbreeding kind of got to them. They all liked, they all liked a little bit of the weird stuff. <laughs> anyway, so he reigned from like fourteen eighty eight to fifteen thirteen, and he had a keen interest in scientific discovery, but this often overlapped with like just really bad ethics. There was no ethical standards in this days for scientific experiments. <laughs> so it done in a weird experiment, which took place in 1493. So like relatively near the start of his reign, he marooned a deaf and dumb woman on Inchkeith Island in the, in the Firth of Forth with two, she, they, they marooned her with two newborn babies and then uh, King James wanted to see what language they would develop when they first started to speak, given that they would never have heard a single person speak. They just had a carer, basically. Yeah. And uh, the theory was that the children would repeat the original language or uh, the language of Eden, the tongue of God. And oddly enough, it was reported that these children spoke good Hebrew, <laughs> which, which, I mean... If you want to believe it, you want to believe it. I don't know what substance there is to this, but Robert Lindsay, a man from Fife who was an eminent historian from the years 1532 to 1580, was an author of uh, the History and Chronicles of Scotland. This was the first history of Scotland to be written in Scots instead of academic Latin language. And he mentioned the Inchkeith experiment, saying that some say they spoke good Hebrew <laughs> and um for my part i know not but from report so he can't disprove it but like he's like i've heard <laughs> the streets say that they spoke good the streets, hebrew <laughs> streets the streets say they spoke hebrew well, <laughs> i don't know which streets those were <laughs> it's interesting though because inchkeith island has always been quite a curiosity to me and i actually didn't care about this until i did the research for this episode in particular but Inchkeith Island if you're ever gone across the fourth rail bridge on the train it's an island that is directly below the bridge and it has now like some war kind of constructions on it so basically what happened is there's loads of there's loads of rumors surrounding Inchkeith Island but basically because of the shape of it and because of the buildings that they put on it 
they built it to look like a warship during World War Two to prevent the rail bridge from being bombed during the Blitz. And it's which is funny. Yeah, it but worked. it's not the only island in the fourth that they did that to. They did it to multiple islands, and there's also like quite a lot of rumours that uh, Inchkeith Island could have been topically at this very moment in time involved in the Manhattan Project, although it's very. Um, that's classified kind of thing. <laughs> um, yeah. But Inchkeith Island, I'm pretty sure as well at one point, because it's obviously there was only a ferry to transport people across the Forth for a very long time, which is why it's called North Queen's Ferry, South Queen's Ferry. Thanks, St. Margaret. Because these islands were in the middle of the Forth, they obviously became places for the sick to be left. So I'm pretty sure at one point during history, these were leper colonies and any kind of influenza or plague, people were just basically dumped on. And this island is not big. Like it's genuinely no. about, <laughs> I'm not sure the size of it, but it's probably about half a football pitch and it's very thin. But if you do, if you do go past it, it's, the home to many a seagull and it has a big cross on it because I'm pretty sure there was a little church there during the war. One of the many interested islands in the Firth of Forth. But it's always been very fascinating to me. I think that, that was the first thing that I ever heard about. It was like, oh, uh, during the war that got turned into a boat so it could get bombed instead of the bridge, which I think is, is actually quite intelligent. Yeah, I can't remember who I was at Forth with, but they pointed to the island and the only thing I've heard about it is that like they kept aliens there. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> that's, that's, like, that's, that's probably the Manhattan Project thing, like spinning like some arms and legs. Yeah. Um, there is an island in the fourth mouth called Inchcombe Island, uh, which has caretakers year round. I actually ken one of the caretakers in Inchcombe Island, but uh, in recent years it has been called Inch gnome island because they've put loads of garden gnomes everywhere on it that's very creepy yeah it does look sinister because they're obviously all weather beaten and covered in like salt and stuff i kind of like that yeah i like odd little things like that i have a very keen interest and a very strong bit that i've had for the last like few weeks do you get where i'm going with this <laughs> This next party of weird Scottish history is to do with Al Capone. <laughs> you might be wondering. <laughs> oh, the bit. <laughs> the bit. <laughs> what do you want us to do with him, boss? <laughs> what do you want us to put him, boss? Should we break his leg? <laughs> yeah, boss. Should we break his legs? <laughs> no, that, my favourite bit is like, genuinely, if you're watching any kind of American television, and there is somebody with like a kind of like thick, like, New York kind of accent. Like currently, I'm rewatching the X Files, and in the X Files season eight, the guy for Terminator Two's in it. You know, the, like bad Terminator who's in Terminator Two. Yeah, he's the like in... upgraded Terminator. Yeah, he's in the X Files, and he has a very thick kind of like New Yorky kind of accent. And every time he speaks, I have to pause it and go, "Yeah, boss." <laughs> <laughs> Just repeating, and he says. So, if you are looking for a new bit today with your pals, I recommend that one uses the fat dumb goon and the other one is the skinny wise guy. <laughs> yeah, who's also dumb, but like he thinks the 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 stout one is fatter than him and bullies him. Yeah. What do you mean, butthead? <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love. I love goon behavior. Love. But you might be wondering <laughs> how the fuck could alcohol. <laughs> have inserted how could we have inserted how could scotland have weaseled their way into the history of alcohol oh, in america exactly weaseled. Butthead <laughs> scotland does have a very like like we love to like put ourselves in at any point in history and i oh, love self-insertion i love self -insertion. it i love it so an estate near Inver Inverleithen was once owned by William Crockett Miller Thompson, which is a very, very rich sounding name. Yeah. Who was one of the many Scots involved in supplying whiskey to America during Prohibition. Miller Thompson became friends with Al Capone and bought his car from him. He had it shipped back to Scotland. It is supposed that it is still hidden in the grounds of his estate, apparently buried under it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Imagine him getting it shipped back to Scotland. They're like, where do you want us to put it, boss? <laughs> <laughs> so it is about, like, I think this estate went up for sale, like, a few years ago, and it, like, got, like, a buzz in the papers because it was, like, oh, Al Capone's cars apparently, like, on the grounds here. And the guy who, like, owned the estate when it was up for sale was like, well, I've never found it, but it'd be pretty fucking rusty right now if it was. Because um, <laughs> the idea is that it was shipped back to Scotland and then immediately buried underground for some reason, kind of like that um, Thomas the Tank Engine film where there's, like, that train buried under the ground. kind of the one that I'm talking about. Thomas the Magic Railroad. Matilda's in it. L- I love Thomas and the Magic Railroad. Let me tell you about Thomas the Magic Railroad. I had a copy at my house. I had a copy at my auntie's house. I had a copy at both of my granny's houses. And no matter who I went to, I would watch it two to three times in a visit. I my family anybody hated Thomas the Magic Railroad. About that film. Me and my I sister would... will talk about this frequently. Lady, the train, the... I have her. I have a toy version of her. I took her on the Thomas train at Aviemore. Anybody else fancy her a wee bit? She kind of served. Literally. <laughs> like, literally, me and my sister, like, if we talk about Thomas and Magic Railroad, it's like, right, but why did they make Lady Sexy? <laughs> I also loved, like, the little bird that they filled with all of the sparkly things. I really cannot remember the plot of the movie right now. I like Baldwin's in it, right? Yes. <laughs> Weird cast. Yeah, Matilda, so Alec Baldwin. And it had, like, it had like the cool version of Diesel. Yeah. Like the long one with the crane over his head. I also had that. What a film. Uh, what a, of all time. I genuinely think it's a really, really good piece of cinema and you should always show your children that film. The music in it is very magical as well. The last song being The Locomotion. Exactly. 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 And I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> That's cinema, baby. Anyway, back to Al Capone. <laughs> uh, a Fortune magazine article for the 1930s reported that in 1913, Scotch whiskey and a little bit of Irish sales were 1.5 million gallons compared to the 135 million gallons of American whiskey. But by the end of the 13 years of prohibition, Scotch consumption had soared and become firmly established as an, an American favourite, which has steadily stayed the same. And that's 160 million gallons in 2013, according, according to the Scottish Whiskey Association. So, I what it is right now. Do people still drink whiskey? Actually, I have something to say, because I actually know a thing no. or two about whiskey because of the job that I used to have. Let used me to, tell you something. Let me tell you something. So when single malts became a thing so like single malts didn't take as long to distill they haven't got blends in them they are actually more palatable i'm really sorry than blended whiskies but Mm -hmm. because it's a single malt it basically made whiskey no as expensive and like it wasn't like because basically the whole thing about you having a bottle of scotch or like any kind of aged whiskey is that it's kind of a flex that you've got it so like these yeah. blends were expensive, yada yada. When single malts were made, it made it put whiskey, like Scotch whiskey, on the same level as bourbon. And Americans were like, "Well, why would we waste our money on Scotch when we could just drink bourbon instead?" Yeah. So like the whiskey industry kind of shot itself in the fit in that regard. But as time has passed, people still regard Scotch whiskey as like an expense that was like i was reading the secret history by donna tart and the rich annoying kids and that they're literally drinking famous grouse which (laughs) (laughs) which is like and i don't know if my grand accord yeah i did kind of donna tart did that to like kind of make it like oh these rich kids didn't care what the fuck they're talking about because obviously it is a satire and a bit of a like jab at like rich academic students in america but i was reading it and i was like does she actually think that this is expensive whiskey? Because even the most expensive bottles a famous grouse are like, it's cheap shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can mix grouse with cola and nobody would bat an eyelid, but if you did that with like a mere expensive, like say if you did that with like a Johnny Walker black label, but like, give me a Johnny Walker and Coke. 
if you asked for that like in a pub they would be like no <laughs> they'd be like no we're not wasting it like that but if you did it with a grouse they'd be like alright whatever the fucking shit tastes like pearl anyway anyway so I do kind of hang her to about whiskey although I do not like to drink it I, I wasn't expecting that I can't lie <laughs> that was fun though Whilst perhaps not breaking the law, strictly speaking, many major Scottish distillers were knowingly supplying large quantities of their products to infamous gangsters like Capone, Bugsy Seagull and Legs Diamond. The technique was simple enough. The whiskey was transported to the Bahamas and then then a British colony at the time. And imports of scotch to the island went from under 1,000 to 350,000 gallons in three years during Prohibition. Wow. The product changed hands and was transferred into vessels which then patrolled just outside US coastal waters and fast speedboats ferried it ashore. It took the US Coast Guard years before it managed to obtain new boats fast enough to challenge Capone and other gangsters. Such familiar names such as Dewar's, Chivas, Johnny Walker and the distillers companies were amongst those involved in the enterprise. Charles McLean, the author of Scottish Whiskey, A Liquid History, said prohibition was the best thing that ever happened to scotch. <laughs> and it remains because Americans still think that it's like a delicacy. That's crazy. Isn't it? We're kind of like moving away from the territory, like stories and mere like short snippets that I've gathered for old weird history on Twitter. Uh, if you check them out, very very fun Twitter account. I do like it. These are weird laws that are found in these. And this, <laughs> this is my favorite one because it's with Fife. So in the 1840s and Fife, a deserted spouse could have their marriage annulled if they set a place at the dinner table and shouted out the door for their absent spouse to come and eat. So they're like, Alan, your tea's ready. And if a year Your country breakfast ready. <laughs> and if a year plus one day had passed and their spouse had not arrived, they were free to marry again. Every evening a fresh table would be set and had to be put out when the jilted spouse was ready to eat. And every time they'd call out that dinner was ready, and I think this was to demonstrate good faith that you wanted your spouse to come home, even if they'd left you. And that was a law exclusive to the poor ugly bitches they vibe <laughs> you've done well for yourself Henge. you've done well for yourself it's interesting though because in scots law it's much like english law actually where it's like set on like kind of all right well this has been done in the past so we can probably do it again like that's how laws work here so it's if, so weird. Like, say if me and my girlfriend got married and she left me, um, and I set the dinner table every night and made someday in law aware of this after a year on principle, they would have to annul my marriage. Yeah, because even if it's like not an act of law, you can like historically use it as like, yeah, a defense, as, can't you? Yeah, it's so bizarre. Yeah, they just really are like, I ah, well, we've done it in the past. We'll do it again. <laughs> It's more so it's like you've done a lot of research, so like I can't be bothered fighting with you. Like <laughs> <laughs> <Blight> seems right. <laughs> it couldn't it wouldn't apply to me though, because I don't live in fight. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you have to be in fight for it to work. That is so wild. Do you have a weird law for me? So in sixteen thirty one in the borough of Peebles, which is near Edinburgh, it was made illegal to let your chicken eat your neighbour's thatched roof. <laughs> I want to know the exact uh, combination of events that led to it being like an actual law, because it must have happened multiple times. Well, they, they chickens uh, famously can fly high enough <laughs> on roof. Yes. And they were just pecking away at the thatch and was probably letting rainwater in. Like, just imagine like Winnie the Pooh, like the rain, rain, rain came down 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 and somebody got drowned yeah. in the bed and was like nah can what fuck this and went to like the court and was like you just need to work on this making the reference of winnie the pooh rain 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 came down down, down. <laughs> that's the most intellectual thing you've ever done <laughs> anyway so in 1656 the borough ordained that all chickens must wear wooden clothes <laughs> 
<laughs> must wear wooden clogs to prevent them from flying up onto roofs. I would like to say that in the old weird Scotland, like on the, I'm pretty sure they made a tweet and it's on their blog. And the picture to go along with a small article is a chicken that has had like genuinely like old Amsterdam-y kind of clogs photoshopped onto his feet. The key rings that you get when you visit Amsterdam, those like ones. those are the correct size. Oh. <laughs> 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 That's so huge. Cute, <laughs> so on the topic of laws, I'm gonna tell you about someone called the incorrigible Nancy Brown. <laughs> known as Incorrigible Nancy. She sounds like my kind of person. <laughs> to have that as your title. The infamy I live. <laughs> So her name was Agnes Malloy Brown. Also, Agnes Brown, is that not the name of Mrs. Brown from Mrs. Brown's voice? Agnes like Brown. Nancy Brown, Brown is, I. <laughs> I wonder if that's where they got it from. Or maybe they just picked old lady name and read the first page. Genuinely, my anyway. name is Nancy Campbell. It could have been her. I mean, from the, the tales I've heard. <laughs> um... Yeah, so Incorrigible Nancy was one of Scotland's most arrested women, racking up over 200 police court appearances in Bowness alone. Not in total, just in Bowness. Um, and just some of her rap sheet is drunkenness, breach of the peace, throwing tea at her husband, unseemly conduct, not elaborated on what unseemly conduct is, um, biting a woman on the face, Falling in a churchyard, <laughs> assault with. When I told you earlier that I've been like not mentally well, this is the sort of behavior that has been like going through my head twenty four seven. Like she's really, I feel for her. Assault with a floor brush, very filthy language. <laughs> being riotous in a tavern, Becca, uh, vagrancy, and theft of a jacket. <laughs> also, you. Um. This does, like, sometimes um, Becca will tell me stories about family members. <laughs> Very believable that you are related to this person. I Yeah, I could see but that. I'm so I serious. <laughs> the women in your family have such rich history. See? And she has to be related to you. You were reading this rap sheet and I was like, how I love being a woman. <laughs> <laughs> God forbid women have hobbies. Why oh, have fun? Free <laughs> her. She did nothing wrong. <laughs> she must have had so many fags. Like, she's like the ultimate hag. Yeah. The like... boys around town were loving her. We love a messy there's women. This, there's this tweet. So, you know Red Scare, the podcast? Yeah. So... One of them, Dasha, was dating this guy who I think was a famous musician. Anyway, sometime around the time they broke up, he tweet the the ex-boyfriend or boyfriend, I don't know if it was before or after they broke up, but he tweeted a tweet that was like, woman does some sociopathic shit, her gaze, honestly work. Must <laughs> read in this rap sheet. <laughs> that is me for incorrigible Nancy. Like, honestly, <laughs> work. <laughs> me telling you the most depraved shit I've ever done in my life, and you're like, love. <laughs> and I live. I do. How I love. Like every time you tell me about this is what I mean. Like whenever you tell me about your female family members, I'm like, they're perfect. They come from a long line of like the most perfect sociopathic women <laughs> ever. <laughs> And I hope you continue on this mantle. <laughs> this line anyway. dies with me. The crazy gene must not continue. No, I need it. Anyway, the 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 just finish off with incorrigible Nancy. It's hard to know her true total appearances in court. Like she was just arrested, like a lot, like a lot, a lot. And she had so had over two hundred in Bodes. Borough Court, and she also appeared in Linlithgow Sheriff and Edinburgh City Court. So that's like a lot. That's a very wide region. That's a Mary like, Queen of Scots tour Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> she is the reincarnation of Mary Queen of Scots. 
Oh, I have a brilliant one about another incorrigible woman. So in 1597, an Aberdeenshire woman, Ellen Gray, was accused of using sorcery, witchcraft and charms on farm worker Thomas Reddick. Quote... She did nothing wrong. Quote, this is absolutely brilliant. (laughs) So her charms on Thomas Reddick were, quote, so that his wand never lay down. <laughs> Thomas apparently later died from his. <laughs> Not beating the witchcraft allegations. And then, Free her. In April 1650, a Brecon woman named Catherine Walker was accused of witchcraft for, among other things, booting a man so hard in the balls that he died. That is so iconic. How I love so, being a woman. So Catherine Walker did that. She booted a man so hard in the balls yep. he died. And Ellen Green I'm gave a guy a stoner so hard that he died. It must have been a pretty big stoner that he fucking died. That's why Viagra is so dangerous. <laughs> This is the longest recording we've ever done. Really? It's an hour and 40 minutes. An hour? <laughs> yeah, this is probably going to be like an hour long episode of us just talking absolute shit. How much did that fresh Rolex set you back? <laughs> an hour? An hour. Uh, no, I've had to change the character because previously when I heard the words an hour, I would go, an hour! But no, I've had to change your heart and I go, never. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I know. <laughs> she was so real for that. Anyway. Her name was probably Catherine Walker. Catherine Walker. And ever. Anyway. So <laughs> there's no much else to say. This has been the Creepy Wee Podcast. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at the Creepy Wee Podcast. X jokes, it's Twitter at the Creepy Wee Pod. And if you want to buy merch, etc., you can find us at the Creepy Wee Podcast.co.uk. Bye. She can't sing. She, can't <laughs> she walks like Rihanna. <laughs> hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.